Good afternoon, you're listening to Scariff Bay Community Radio and its local media this week. The show where we have a look at the local print media here in County Clare. The Clare Champion and the Clare Echo and we see what's on it of local and county-wide interest and we give our own take as well here and there. We're not, we're not shy to do that kind of thing. Uh, back to an unusual uh, crew tonight. So first of all, John S. Kelly, you're very welcome. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> and Pat O'Brien, Pat, you're welcome. Thanks, Jim. And David Fleming, back from his uh, holidays, back uh, to join us again. Raring to go, Jim. I'm delighted to hear it, David. Um, so now, let's have a look and see, I suppose, the first thing. Pat O'Brien, you're a GA man. And at the very back of the Clare Echo, there's uh, a quiz to do with um, hur Clare Hurling. There's a photograph there you can tell us about. It. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, it's history. Clare have won the Ireland Hurling Championship four times before the 81 year drought. Who did the banner defeat in the 1914 final? Maybe there's a question for our listeners. Have you ever heard the 1550 line on yeah, so we'll, we'll leave it to the listeners. They'll have to think hard now because that word drought is, is a clue. Yeah. <laughs> 81 years, that's a phenomenal figure though, isn't it? Yeah. And it's an interesting photograph too because, uh, Pat, I mean, it doesn't look like the usual colours they're wearing. No, there's a different, yeah, clearly a different colour, I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll we, we, we'll pose that question as well, even though yeah. it's not in the quiz. And sure, we can come back to it at the end, can't yeah. we? Jim? We can. We'll come back yeah. with the answer. I claim it's a right to, to insert a piece of information there that Tom McGrath, who played on that uh, team, is a cousin of my wife's family. Right. Mm -hmm. well, There's guy. another clue, so <laughs> they'll be working out Tom McGrath's <laughs> age. On the back road, John. Which one is he? He's on the back row there. John's the, claim to fame. <laughs> and, and, and the left hand side is a lucrative. Okay, let's move on. I suppose both uh, papers cover. There's, what's, who's this said? Um, only two things are certain death and taxes. taxes. Who said that? Can we remember? Sounds like an American. Was it Mark Twain, I wonder? It's like something Luke, he'd say, not. all right. Anyway, let's, maybe that's another question for our listeners <laughs> when we don't know the answer. But uh, taxes, the local property tax is something that's mentioned in both papers. It's mentioned, I think, in the front pages of both papers, where the Clare councillors rejected the idea of going back to the normal uh, local property tax. They chose instead to continue with, the, they have a... a, a Regal room of 15%. Yeah. So the, a few years ago, they put the local property tax up by 15%. And in the last week or so, they refused to take it back down again. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. I suppose being involved in a voluntary group, um, we're always looking to the council for funding. Okay. And I mean, if we decide, or if the councillors decide we're going to reduce that funding by 15%, well, then we're going to get 15% less to no, places like Fecal and Mount Shannon and Tumgraney and Scarlet and whatever. But then, that's but one, uh, that's one, one small... I wonder what percentage of the council budget is actually given back to communities because not, we, know, we know from RT primetime investigations that there's a lot of all sorts of expenses and other types of, of expense and costs that we find hard to stomach when we hear about it. Mm. And a little bit of wastage, perhaps, as well. Now, I'm the first to say that the council do a very good job. But 
What's a little bit different this year is the crisis that every citizen in this county is facing. It is going to be horrendous if we are to believe all the analysts with the costs that are coming down for every householder in the country. And given we have put so much pressure on the government to step in and, you know, try to help out people. Why shouldn't we ask the council to, on an emergency basis, Pat, what, don't know what you might think of this. We're expecting the government to um, come to our aid and, and put some package of measures together. Why, aren't our lo why isn't local government doing the same? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't agree with you, uh, uh, David. I, I, I think they, they put it up a couple of years ago. I think it's, it's not an awful lot. Maybe it's an awful lot for maybe some people who wanted the money. But certainly, I, I think the council do a good job. And I think all the services, they have come into small villages, such as footpets and, and, and water and lights and everything else that, they, that they're providing. Uh, it wouldn't be done if, if we didn't have that, that 15%. Now, the, the only issue I have is with, with property tax is the two million of every year goes out to clear to fund other counties. <laughs> that's I, mean, think, that, I think that's the, that's, that's, that's how, the, how true is that, Pat? Well, that's true, John. Yeah. 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 Am I right in thinking? I mean, it's, it goes it's, out of Dublin too. We're talking about a few hundred euro for property taxes. Am I right in thinking that in other countries we're talking a few thousand euros oh, yes. for property taxes? Well, we're not. We wouldn't be comparing like with like because in in there is real local government. Uh, and regional government in Germany and France. Uh, all, ma many of the things our central government do is actually done uh, by local government. And you pay for, that, for those extra services. Our local, our local government doesn't handle water anymore. All it does is fixes the roads. Yeah. And, and uh, it does, the, does it do the lights? I, maybe it does the lights. Um, and the, certain other services they do. But they have lost over the last... Yeah. In, since independence, local government has lost a lot of the things it used to do. Illustrative of what you were saying just earlier in that is the American example, mm. where every human thing in your locality is paid for out of property tax. So if, if you live in, a, in an area which is a high-value residential, mm. uh, in a state which is high property tax, then you're going to have much better services mm. in the in, in that type of, yeah. of area, aren't yeah. you? You are. And that's one of the things that keeps an actual uh, the poor down in and the rich. Yeah, it, 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 like go, go to absolutely uh, institutionalizes yeah. the poverty. Yeah. Our I've all, our so, problem here is our property tax is inherently unfair because uh, we're in a big house is being taxed within a band, and it could be at the top end of the band, and a, another property which won't have the same value might yeah. also be in the same band. Yeah. It's inherently unfair from that point of view. Hmm. Um, but anyway, but I'll be asking our councillors when they visit me, when they're coming up for election, why yeah. they voted, because they, I think all except three, am I right in saying that? It was, yeah. it was defeated a motion, a counter-proposal by Councillor Jerry Flynn, Independent yeah. to reduce the local property tax was defeated 23 3. He yeah, said the cost of living has gone out of control. And I'll be asking the local, um, I'll be asking my local councillors when they come looking for votes why, what was the rationale that they had in voting for it? The chief executive said 
that his responsibility, and this is fair, because he only has to think of the local, of the local authority finances, um, said that it would be disgraceful for him not to manage the council finances appropriately to ensure the authority pays its way. That's a fair enough comment from him. Mm. Our councillors, though, have to think about their representatives, about, about who votes for them. Who votes for them. And at the, this is a moment of crisis, Pat, would you not accept? If, if it was the same, you, we could apply your argument to the government as well, that they're also supposed to be providing services, and if we cut, if, if they provide uh, some sort of cuts, our national services would therefore be, have to be cut. Yeah, possibly, mm. yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Of course, and again, Liz Truss has been talking about this in London. She's talking about cutting taxes mm. or during the election mm. as instead of handouts and, yeah. and yeah. to people. Listen, we... Go, we oh, that, uh, uh, Jim, as long as the, the, the uh, population see evidence of expenditure, do you know, and that's what I'm speaking... First of all, of capital expenditure within their area, then they'll understand the need for property tax. And I think the councillors themselves are, are showing in the way they voted there on this issue, rejecting it or accepting the, the increase by or holding on to the 15% mm. increase. Mm. They are accepting that it does give some money to them to actually uh, propose for expenditure. Yeah. And the councillors yeah. will need to explain that to David at the doorstep. At the doorstep. And in fact, in here at, a time, at a time of very extreme difficulty yeah. for the very hardest hit in society. Yeah. Okay. okay. Let's have a look at, I'm looking at page four on the Clare Echo. Uh, where the headline is critical to know the number of Ukrainians in hotel rooms. Yeah. And it's Councillor Killian Murphy, uh, the Fianna Fáil councillor, uh, and he's asking the question of how many hotel bedrooms are out of circulation off the back of housing displaced Ukrainians. And in the Clare Champion as well, the Ballybahan group says um, on page six, uh, says no more refugees, please, as they village cannot cope, the local development group says services in the village cannot cope with the demand. So it's, it's something I suppose maybe it was inevitable that questions like this would come up. Maybe it's right that questions like this come up if, if there are problems being, you know, faced in certain areas. The reason that's so, Jim, the, 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 the Ballyvaughan development group say that the, the school isn't able to accommodate them. Uh, they have only a two room, a two room school, and uh, they're trying to fit four teachers. I think of, uh, in there, and they have a health scope, and uh, the health as well. The health centre is near the core either. So the, they're the main two uh, things they have there. Uh, they also say that the the population has uh, suddenly gone from three hundred to seven hundred. So that's yeah. over over yeah. double. You know, so. It is. It doesn't surprise me as well that the Department of Education would lend stuff down on top of you and not give you resources to run yeah. it. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I, I would have great experience of that I over many the, years. I suppose the, the hotel room situation is well probably. I don't know, uh, there's a lot of hotels around the country closed, we'll say, I know the one here in Scarlet, and you know, if we're going to live like the one inside the railway hotel, and there's, uh, I was in Liscanner yesterday, and there's a big hotel in Liscanner, and it's simply closed up. But yeah. partly, isn't it, isn't it a, a reality that yeah. in our own county here, that West Clare and Mid Clare seems to have, you know, 
been allocated and taken in uh, quite a large number of refugees and very limited in East Clare. Mm, yeah. Now, what is that saying? Is it saying anything? Well, there's supposed to be accommodation, hotels, John. You, have, you heard hotels in the West and they're probably using the hotels. But no, you I, mentioned you mentioned one hotel, the hotel in Scarab. Yeah, I, I, there's I, one in Mount Shannon. It's just one. Yeah, it's the one that they just don't don't um, don't uh, intensify intensify um, the, the owners of, of hotels that closed up. Maybe to to give them the money up front, uh, so mm. much money up front uh, for the hotels and all that. And, and so a greater incentive. And, and yeah, a greater incentive, yeah. and to open up the hotels because some of those hotels have, have closed uh, since COVID. Yeah. And they probably haven't liked the, liked the pubs that an awful lot of them haven't opened since COVID. When it all started, we we mentioned uh, our willingness to accept a hundred thousand. Isn't that the figure that was? Well, we thought we might have yeah. to accept a hundred thousand. Yeah. Fifty. There's fifty plus at present, anyway. Yeah. yeah. There's fifty plus. It is. Are you entitled? as a people, to ask the question now. In the absence of a sufficiency of service, that we should question whether we should continue with an open door. And, and, and there's also, the addition to that, there's also the point that there is some indication, there's, in, as I interpret it anyway, some small indication uh, that the, the, the situation in, in the Ukraine is beginning maybe to uh, even out a little bit. Well, well, people, well the people. war, the war, the war is going into a different phase. Isn't I it? would say, John, uh, we're, that's the wrong question to ask. That really the question is not whether we should be accepting more, but we should be asking why our government um, and why the local authority, if they're accepting lots of our taxpayers' money, why they're not putting services in place. And why are the, 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 It is a failure of government here. Yeah. Um, it's not, I don't think this is anything to do with a, any type of refugee, whether they're Ukrainian or otherwise. We have, as a country, as a civilised country yeah. in Western Europe, we have obligations to take in people who are suffering from war or yes. any other consequence. And we don't have, the, we've never really had those facilities. The direct provision system is a mess, which the government has now ex has accepted when it was formed, and they've said that they're going to try and change it. But, but, and I know it's an emergency situation. It, it happened over, literally overnight. We all remember back in February when this first happened. But yet it's been some time now. It's the start of the academic year. You would have hoped that you know, in terms of schools and in terms of doctors and teachers, that they could have figured it out because they themselves know that the war will last a lot longer than everybody thought it would in February. Now, you're, in, you, you're a university person, uh, David, and you must begin to see now uh, the kind of difficulties which accommodation in the wider context yeah. is having on your students. It's a, it's a perfect storm, isn't it? Because yeah. we, have, we have the long-term homeless people in our country, in this county and in the country at large. Yeah. Then we have the accommodation crisis affecting students and we have um, a, a crisis of, of international making here with uh, over 50,000 new people coming into the country. And, and the, the accommodation issue, I, like the students is, is, is a good example we've accepted. I know lots of students who are sleeping rough I don't know lots of students. I know of cases where students are sleeping in their cars. They're 
sleeping on couches, floors probably, they're doing a lot more travelling in cars at a time when the price of diesel and petrol is astronomical. Some of them are not coming to class. Uh, it's often a reason I ask my, the students who are not coming to my classes, is it me or is it you or what is the situation? <laughs> they never say it's me. No. Um, How could it be? <laughs> if they were clever, they wouldn't say it was me anyway. But they often say, listen, I have a part-time job. Uh, I have to work in order to be able to afford the things uh, that I need. And I can actually only come into university on one or two days. And, so, and your class, I've only got one class on a, on a Thursday and it's yours and I can't make it every week. Mm. And that's very hard to hear. Yeah. Would you be... Because that student is likely to fail. Yeah. And I tell them that. Good Lord. And uh, David, would you be concerned at the timetables sometimes which university staff hand out? I'm particularly thinking, in, and in, the, in the context of what you've been talking about, I'm particularly thinking of a Friday. Yeah. Uh, perhaps Friday evening. Yeah. Uh, I've heard of one particular situation anyway in Galway. Um, it wouldn't happen, of course, in, in the Welch, it wouldn't. Uh, and I heard of a case where the lecture, last lecture in a particular subject was given at five o'clock mm. on a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Now buses and trains and yeah. everything else. Can you yeah. imagine? Now yeah. that would appear to me to be uh, a non-thinking Type yeah. of approach. Am yeah. I under something? Oh, exactly. There? I mean, the, usually the people who set timetables are not the teachers, are certainly not the students. And uh, now, to be fair to them, there, there's the people setting the timetables have an enormous problem because there's only so many hours in the week, and there's often so much choice. But it should always be a rule. Nobody is going to be at work or at school or at university at five o'clock on a Friday. I mean, that's ridiculous. Good. Okay. The, I suppose what, to sum up about the refugees is that uh, maybe placing too many people, uh, from, as you say, David, from wherever they come, in the one small area yeah. is, is not fair mm. on maybe a lot of the residents yeah. there. And, and we need to, and it's, it's a matter for governments rather than. Uh, Especially in the context local. for what yeah. Pat is saying, that there is other property. And Jim, we are, we are saying at the same time that we appreciate and support the concept of multiculturalism. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Kind of yeah, I was in an hotel in, in Dolan, and it was all Ukrainian people. Were, were, the, the receptionist was from Ukraine, and the people served on the tables were all yeah. Ukrainians. Mm. And so I suppose they, 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 they all want to work, and they all, they all, they all in, in yeah. those types of industries. And I suppose the people of Ukraine. I mean, they, they need assistance now they do. internationally. They do. And, and, and they, they don't want to be here. No. They, want, no, they yeah. want to be back in their homes. Imagine if we were... And you were saying, yeah. David, before we went on air, that, that uh, there was a time when Irish people needed that type of yeah. assistance yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay, we, we'll go on from there. This time last week, uh, regular listeners may know that uh, we record this programme on a Thursday evening. So we were here last week in the room recording the show when news came through of the death of Queen Elizabeth. Um, and I suppose the, the papers today, the, the, the Clare Champion particularly, have a couple of, um, of connections, if you like, between uh, Queen Elizabeth and County Clare. Um, one 
on the front page, Dan Danaher has a, has a story of the declared champion of a Lynch-based artist uh, who is the only Irish painter with three paintings in the British Royal Collection. And he described the death of Queen Elizabeth II as an end of an era, and that's Michael Hanrahan. So that's one. Um, and I think there's a, there's a picture somewhere uh, of... Of the painting itself. Of the painting on page two of the champion. Page two of the champion, yes. Yeah, Michael's out to give him royal seal of approval. Yeah, the Hanrahan family were welcomed by the Queen, Secretary and Chief Clerk at the Terrace, uh, Christopher Sandmans, who held a special reception uh, in their honour. Having flown from Dublin Airport to Heathrow, the family were chaffeoted to the palace in a, in a new silver Bentley, which provided by mayor of property developer Tom O'Brien, a friend of Michael, arriving at noon. So they got they got royal treatment, and he was yes, over there with his picture. And I think, is it a picture of the Queen uh, yeah, dining in Dublin Castle? Castle? In Castle, in Castle, yes. yeah, in, Castle in, in Dublin Castle, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. And there's a second, uh, again in the Clare Champion, uh, on page um, 11, where the headline is David, the late Queen helped focus eyes on the world uh, on s the late sister Ethel Normyle's work. Yeah, this is uh, this would be known to many listeners around the Scariff area because there's been several fundraisers over the years for uh, sister Ethel Normyle's work in Mission Vale um, in South Africa, isn't it? Um, and she's pictured there with the late Queen. Uh, being shown around. So, I mean, a few interesting Clare connections to the royal family um, and the activities there. But mind you, one paragraph struck me strongly of that article. And um, it's there on the, it's the fourth paragraph in the article. It was during, and this is the Queen, it was during my visit to South Africa last March that I witnessed a glowing example of how the inspiration and energy of one person can benefit thousands of others. She said in opening her speech before it cut to the footage of the interaction between herself and Sister Normoy at Mission Vale. Now the Queen, that's very personal, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the Christmas Day message when it's watched by millions of people. By hundreds of Nine millions. John, yeah. did you write any check for well, I, she may well have. She might. Her, her, yes, her, personal, her personal fortune is, is 450 million. And, 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 and the royal family are worth 175 billion. What has that got to do with, with, with the, the words she said uh, on Christmas Day? <laughs> I say, uh, uh, Sister Ethel would like a, like a bit of money. It was, money, it was the money we collected for like. Yeah, because what you This is going to. Uh, I mean, a lot of money would have gone from Clare out to Mission Vale. A lot of money. Know that, yeah, and yeah. every bit of publicity which uh, uh, Ethel could, Sister Ethel could get was going to enhance future contributions. Mm -hmm. So and that's my answer to you in that regard. And, and <laughs> we'll never know whether she we'll did never know. I appreciate all that, but uh, like, if they have Perhaps all this, if, if they have all this money, how come that... Uh, you no, might write to His Majesty pointing out <laughs> this <laughs> and ask, was the cheque cashed and paid? You know? Okay, we'll move on. Uh, looking at the papers as well, it's at page 16 in the Clare Echo, I see. I'm not sure where it is in the Champion, but it's there. Uh, the, a new route from Shannon to Paris was opened. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
This you, is, you have booked a romantic weekend away for your beloved, I suppose, Jim. Have you already? I, I have, but it's not Paris, actually, this <laughs> <Wow>. time. <laughs> We're going uh, a bit it's, further south. It's, it's great to see it, I have to say. Um, and uh, it would be great to... It's Orly, isn't it? Yeah. Not, not, yeah. not the... Yeah, Paris Orly. Um, um, Vueling, Vueling, which is... Is that a German airline? Vueling have commenced operations from Shannon Airport with their inaugural Paris flight. And, and um, the English right. one, the IHA group. Yeah. Um, and so it's, great, it's, it's, it's good to see. Um, yes, Shannon's new carrier, Vueling, is part of IAG group that owns Aer Lingus. And it would be great to see the other capitals of Europe connected back to Shannon. We used to be able to fly to Berlin, for example. Now you have to go to Dublin to fly to Berlin. So yes. maybe slowly, Shannon is recouping its lost position. I yeah. believe Orly is also a, an airport where you can make onward connections. It's one of these hubs, isn't yes. it, Jim? Yeah. But, um, so if you haven't booked your flight, will Jim and John be booking their romantic weekends away? Well, perhaps Jim and myself might be sent over as representative of the Scarf Bay Community Radio. Yes, to, 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 to test the water. To test the water and make a report on the, on the actual flight. Yeah. We could I become was, travel correspondents, we could. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to Anthony Linehan, who was, uh, you all know, on the, on the radio here, in and he was in, he was in Spain. Uh, he went out to Spain last Friday, and he came back on Monday, and he said uh, the airport was very busy. Yeah, well, that's what you want. And was, the, the care pack was packed with, with, with cares. Yeah. And he said that it was very busy on, on Friday and, and... Do you sense, Pat, that, that our people are beginning to realise that they needed to support Shannon and are yeah, doing I, it now? I say to a lot of people now, yeah. And yeah. I have Mary Consuman, uh, who was chief executive, was on the radio. Uh, I said, one or two was the morning there. And she said that there's an awful, an awful, there's a high, there's, it's, it's very, very noticeable. There's an awful lot of people from the eastern part of the country are coming through Shannon now. Mm. But it's, it's not a surprise, though. Mm -mm. Sure it isn't. No. Mm -hmm. I mean, because of the problems with Dublin. I see as well as sort of a linked piece on page three of the Clare Champion. Yeah. Uh, a piece called a State of the European Union, We Are Stronger Together. And it, it's, it's a short piece. There's no name to it. But it, it talks about, um, I suppose, the, the positive attitude of, of Ireland to, to, um, to the EU. We've always had that, though, haven't it, we? It, All it, the, the it talks about in the latest Eurobarometer survey. Now, I don't know much about the Eurobarometer survey, but uh, it's revealed that 83% of Irish people look upon the future of the European Union with optimism, and it's the highest percentage of any country in the EU. So we are certainly... Yeah. Um, and, and I think we were always quite high on that survey. And I think Brexit even said, well, God, if the British are leaving, we'll become even more European. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Mm. But, um, anyway, just, uh, I suppose, two things about housing in the paper this week. Uh, Clare, in the in page two of the Clare Champion, it says that uh, prices in County Clare have increased as much or more than anywhere else in the country. Yeah. Jim, I don't think that's too extraordinary either because given, the cr again, going back to the issue of accommodation, there is, the market, there is, there isn't, the property isn't available and therefore the market is dictating that prices are, will increase. And I'd say it's right around the country now, 
But uh, wh whether clear is clear keeping pace with other parts of the country is the question. Well, it says, according to this anyway, it's among the country's highest right. price rises. Yeah. So maybe it means more people want to come and live in County Clare as well. Jim, there's a, there's a, a latest story there on page five. Um, homes welcomed in time of need. 69 new homes delivered in Innes represent significant contribution to county housing needs. And it's, um, I have a real sense of gratitude and joy Amanda Shannon, she's here in the report uh, and she's holding up our keys. There is so much positivity here and we are coming together and getting to know each other. There's really a nice energy in the place. And these are our houses that, um, we'd say, um, Pierce O'Shea is, is there on the is photograph there with Tony O'Brien and uh, Amanda Shannon and uh, cutting the tape on the, on the housing. And it's, I'd say it's mainly, it's most, um, uh, social housing in, in a sense that you 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 pay you you, you pay for the house uh, county or means or whatever. Yeah. 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 But there's a very important ad addition, Pat. There is that the community, the people who, who who are in these houses, they manage the whole estate. project, the whole estate. Right. Right. So you know you don't have this kind yeah. of of social negativism, you know, mm. uh, yeah. associated with, yeah. with that. I, I suspect we'll see a lot more of this now in the newspapers as the housing policy of the government is really kicking in. We're supposed to be seeing, is it 50,000 houses a year yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Don't, forget, don't forget that, that, that Pierce Shield is one of our own, mm. you know? And of CHI, is that the construction company he operates? Yes, CHI? It's a cooperative. Oh, it's part, yeah. part of the Radahine. Am I right, Jimmy? Yeah, Cooperative yeah. Housing, housing yeah. Ireland. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. We had Pierce. You and I had Pierce. We had. In it's time to have it back now, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah okay. there's, a nice, there's a nice article there, if anyone, our listeners want to, to, yeah. to, to read it. And uh, just on, before we go on, Jim. On page five. On page five of the Clare Champion. And Jessica Quinn has it. And uh, yeah, she has the two, the two uh, issues. Um, or the two uh, articles. Uh, recently in Tulla, the, there was um, uh, 30 houses uh, of similar ones. I think the council bit them out there on the, on the ground floor and they have, been, they have been handed out to people as well. And already? Yeah. I know, uh, already, yeah, yeah. And this would be social housing as well? Yeah, there's a, there's a fellow that works with, with us and the, and the FAR scheme in O'Callaghan's Mills and he, he's got one of them himself and his wife and his child. Yeah. That's good to hear, Okay, yeah. anyway, we've reached half time uh, and it's time for uh, Pat O'Brien. Uh, to talk uh, our resident DJ, as I've said before. Jim, I hope we'll give our listeners a good bit of a whack of the music now this week. Well, you see, the more talk, the less music. So shut up, David Fleming, and the rest of you. <laughs> what have we got, Pat? Did all the of them and Luciano Pavarotti with Ave Maria. Oh, lovely. Oh, absolutely. Well, we have to let this play. We've got all the talk now, and let this go ahead. Very welcome back. Beautiful sound there of Dolores and Luciano Pavarotti singing Ave Maria. Lovely choice, Pat. 
Looking back, uh, I suppose we're into part two. A number of a number of um, things with a sporting uh, team. Uh, first of all, I suppose. John, you're the golf expert here in, oh. in this uh, around this table. Um, we have a big tournament coming to Tremolan next well, week. First of all, I would say the uh, expert is with a very small e. <laughs> uh, no, okay. It is. It's the first time the, the uh, we've had a professional ladies um, a competition in in Ireland. Uh, so it's a major achievement, and th some of the finest lady golfers in the world are going to be there. It starts, well, the, there's a pro-am on Wednesday, but it starts probably on Thursday, then, okay, Friday, Saturday. And we have Leone, you know what I mean? She has become the darling of not just of the ladies, but mm. of golfers in general. She's had a, a superb year. Mm. She's now, I'm not quite sure where she is on the order of, of uh, world list, I think somewhere around 14. Yeah, she's in the top 15. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think. Which is amazing. She's one of the cabin, the twins, twins were yeah. they? Yeah. No, okay. Mm. Um, uh, our sister so is our manager now. This, that, that's right. And yeah. that's a recent enough, yeah. isn't it, yeah. situation. Will mm. you go, Pat? I will. I'd like to go for a day. It's, yeah, only, it's only for the, the, the three days. It's how much? It's just uh, 35 euros for the, for the four days. For the four days. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Mm. So, uh, John, the, we, we, we watch or read about the convulsions happening the professional men's game and the live yeah, series yeah. and all that, and I think we've spoken about it before in this program. Are the women, is the women's game affected by that controversy? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, they're no. not involved. It doesn't appear no, to no, be. No, women. No. No. But, uh, no. I wonder... Is it because the Saudis themselves don't treat women fairly equally? Well, I suppose they'll have, to, they'll have to see how the live goes, right. you yeah. know. Uh, yeah. It would be rather hypocritical of the Saudis to treat women golfers equally to the men. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll stay with sport. Um, we had the announcement over the last few days that Deirdre Murphy uh, has been appointed Chief Operations Officer uh, for ongoing for Clare GA. Deirdre, of course, plays former Clare star and still plays with uh, Clooney Quinn. Clooney Quinn, she does, yeah. Yeah, I'm one of that. I'm on the intermediates with Clare in 1998, I don't know. Uh, Juno, in a, in a way. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I, it's a great, um, I think, I'm delighted to see her appointed because I think she's a great GA woman. Um, she's appointed to what, Pat? She, uh, Chief Operating Officer. Of now, what's GA. that when it's at home? Uh, it's, 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 it's basically uh, running the... the, the Running the association on a full time basis. On behalf, presumably, of the county board. Is it a yeah. new post? I suppose it is. Pat uh, Fitz is there about 30 years ago. He was the secretary, the county secretary. secretary. In, well, in more recent times, he was the full time secretary. The full time secretary. A paid right. position. Yeah. So, so position. there'll be no secretary anymore, will there? There will there'll be, a, there'll be a secretary as well. Oh, there'll be a secretary as well. But will that be a full time it's or a, part time it's just, role? Uh, it's just a, a voluntary role, actually. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. So, Deirdre Murphy, who's one of my colleagues in the University of Limerick. Uh, and I know her reasonably well, and congratulations to her. Uh, she's really now in charge, she's would you right. say? Well, she, she's chief operating uh, yeah. officer anyway. Well, it'll take a woman to sort out Clare County <laughs> GA. <laughs> yeah. Take a woman. It's, a, it's the first uh, of uh, 
these offices to be filled by a female, isn't it? Yeah, I would imagine so, yeah. Mm -hmm. I would think Claire so. again. Yeah, the leading the way. Up leading the banner. Leading the way up the banner. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, we'll go on, uh, I suppose, since we're on the sport, uh, it's it's mentioned there in the Clare Champion that uh, Scarafogunla won the minor A title last weekend, last Saturday, I think, in uh, Cusick Park, Guinness, yeah. beating uh, through Clonlara. So um, great congratulations to them. Mm -hmm. And the second year on the road, Jim, that senior team will be very strong for a while to come. Well, they, they <laughs> seem to have players coming on anyway well, that, yeah. are, that are quite strong. And it was a good few of the team that played in that, of the players that played in that gym have, have seen and experienced as well. That's right. They got through the team there with the cross players. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so we'll say, and we'll stay with sport because looking at the Clare champion, uh, last weekend, Quest was held in Killaloo, and of course we were down there presenting Saturday Chronicle live from Killaloo last Saturday morning. It was a it was a marvelous um, marvelous occasion. I see you're looking at it there, David, on page thirteen of the Care Champion. Yeah, and it's really becoming a kind of a fixture on 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 the Killaloo and East Clare. Uh, map more than 1,300 competitors. Can you imagine that number? 1,300 competitors flocked to the shores of Loch Derg on Saturday to participate in the return to East Clare of a major adventure race. It is, as you say, Jim, a triathlon. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be now for me. <laughs> Might be for Pat. Um, <laughs> but uh, there, it shows two two uh, women uh, participants there who look very happy with themselves having completed it. But remarkably so, it's, if, it, visually, uh, the second picture shows the pontoon. Now, the last time a pontoon that I can remember in historic terms was when King William's army was crossing the Shannon in the 1690s. Um, but they erect a pontoon for this uh, so that they don't have to use the medieval bridge. And there's a picture of it here, and it's it's, it's sort of a sna snaking through the river, I suppose, because of the current. Did you walk across the? the no, I did not. No. <laughs> I don't think I'd be allowed. Well, I, well, I think the, uh, some kind of marker in the middle of the river kind of holds it in position. Holds it in position. So yeah. on the other side, then you see where the current has brought. That's yeah. why it's in a in a snaking. Uh, yeah, why it snakes across. And Jim, you were down there interviewing people. What, what sort of an atmosphere was down there? There was a great atmosphere down there. Very, very busy. A huge number of people and people travelled from all over the country. We were talking just after we finished out, we were talking to a guy from Donegal um, who travelled down to take part. In it. And is this a, an organisation that actually... Uh, has competitions and oh, it was a competition. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, it was a competition. Yeah. Yes. And what's it a test of? Well, it it was running, cycling, and kayaking, and uh, there there was various events. It was Twenty-two yep. kilometers and forty-five kilometers, and sixty-nine kilometers expert uh, sports. Yes. So you could, you could pick and choose pick, whatever yeah. event you wanted. You know. So it was it was great. Gender, gender free. Oh yeah, men, men and women, women yeah. taking part. Yeah, Elise, Elise is the name of the organisation that, that run, run it. But um, uh, it says here, um, Dan Danner has the story there, Pat, that you're referring to. And the company that runs it, Elite, as you say, it says here, donates about €10,000 to clubs and sporting organisations in the locality, such as O'Gunlow GA, Smith O'Brien's, 
Killaloo Sailing Club, Killaloo Scouts, Loch Derg Football Club. So it's not just a profit company. They, obviously, they have to make profit, but they're giving back something as well, which is good to see. Yeah, yeah, but they, they have, they have uh, members of, the, of those organizations would be stewarding. Would be stewarding, and so yeah, they're involved in it. Yeah, how the money comes back. Well, it's a very, I think it's a positive thing anyway. Oh, yeah, it is. It is a great thing, and people enjoyed it immensely down there, and the, the crowd was, was quite large. Yeah. I think if anyone of our listeners want to read it there, there's, there's a, a whole lot of, of people interviewed by, by Dan Jennifer from all over Ireland, from, from, from County Leeds and Cork and everywhere, Clashin, all around the country actually, from different places. By the way, where did they go? I'm trying to visualise the route that was taken by the actual participants. Well, some of it was in Tipperary, some of it was in Clare, and of course they can cross over. I think they cycle up and down. Is it possible for Tom and Jim to come down? I'm not sure if they go that far now. Okay. But Where is the peninsula on Tuesday? Hmm. Yeah. Well, they don't go over. I thought they might go up and cross over for Tom and come down along by Mount Shannon. Yeah, Maybe yeah. you suggest that for next year, Pat. Yes. yes. By the way, Pat, are you in the expert category, the 69, or would you put yourself in the 22 kilometre <laughs> challenge <laughs> category? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't have anything to do any of those. Well, we, we'll stay with sport. And we'll start training up for next year. We will. The, sca- the, the radio will have to put in a team now next it's, year. It's, 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 it's down uh, from next year again on the 9th of September in 2023. Lovely. Well, please God, we'll yes. be all there for us. First, last year we'll return uh, Amen. September the 9th. Uh, this week, and it's Porrick McMahon covers it in the Clare Echo on page 33. Uh, this week we had the most fantastic evening uh, with the homecoming of Michael Blake with the Aga Khan Trophy. And uh, this took place last Wednesday evening, but Porrick covers it. The other, I know the Clare Champion, were, were John Kelly was there as well, so hopefully we'll have photographs when, next week with, from the Clare Champion. But it, a huge crowd assembled in the park and uh, it was absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. evening. Great for Tom Graney, great for Michael Blake, and, and for everybody. Oh, it's a great, it's, Jim, um, uh, tell me, I've never heard of the Aga Khan trophy itself uh, going on tour. No. What and, is and the story there? I was, I was, we were talking to, because we did some interviews, and talking to Brendan McArdle, who, who, who works for the Irish Post, and, uh, or the, the Irish Field, and for RT, and uh, he was saying that it's the furthest it's ever been from the RDS. Really? It's one of those trophies that is brought out, presented, and put back, and in. Put back in again, uh, wherever it's, it's Was there an armed for. guard following it? Uh, well, it was certainly, it wasn't very visible, any was security that was there, but I would be surprised if yeah. there wasn't security there. What's it worth? I gather 400,000 euro. And for the history buffs, as Parig notes, it was donated by the Aga Khan III, in, because of course it's as, uh, the Aga Khan is like a monarch, yes. uh, in 1926 yes. to the RDS. Um, my children were, were there for that moment and I missed it, but uh, I asked them, did you see the cup, did you see the cup? And I said, they both said, no, yeah. the crowds were too much, we couldn't get, and anyway, we were talking to our friends. Of course, yeah, well, of course, of course. well the, the Clare Champion online have a, a good piece on it, 
with a photograph, lovely photograph of Michael Blake surrounded by Keen O'Connor and Mark Watchman and or Max Watchman and various other uh, people there, including our own Mary Coffey, um, the mayor of Tungreni, and apparently a more comprehensive report of the ceremony will appear in next Thursday's Clare Chamber. So we'll have another go at it next week. So, tell me, is there anything that hasn't been said that should be said about the success of Michael Blake as chef de cuisine? Well, the only thing I was thinking of, because we covered it last night, or the other night, we recorded the, the event, and we will be broadcasting it on Scarlet Bay Community Radio. But the attendance included quite a lot of the top people in show jumping Ireland. And to my mind, they didn't have to come. Yeah. You know, yes. to, it be was easy, a, to be easy to make an yeah. excuse, you just can't travel. It was out. a mark of respect for Michael it Blake. It was a great mark, mark of Marvel. respect yeah. to, to yeah. Michael Blake. I mean, when, when, when the football club uh, or the, lo the local club that wins the county final and, and the national team or Munster win a cup, there's big bus displays and the ceremonial route through the city. This was the equivalent, but you can't do that for horse racing. But I'm glad that people did, showed yeah. up from all over the place. They did um, indeed. Um, and we obviously congratulate him, don't we? And well, I, we well, have done yeah. so many times before. Yes, yeah. and he's been on this station yeah. quite a lot. Yeah, it's a achievement for East Clare and for some Clare. Okay. Michael, Michael Day personally. And hope for the Olympics, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Looking at page 13 of the Clare Champion, uh, a piece on Holy Island, and it's, the heading is Inish Caltra Centre, Poor value, uh, says Holy Island OPW caretaker. And uh, the photograph there is of Germ Madden, um, whose claims, and I suppose we'd agree, we certainly agree with this part of it, that we don't want a Cliffs of Moher style tourism. Yeah. And we certainly don't. Yeah. Um, where, where buses come in, uh, everyone looks at it and back on the bus again and back yeah. to Dublin yeah. or wherever they, they go. Yeah. Um, but Ger has a, is making a point, David, about the um, about the, the interpretive centre yeah. and the site that has been purchased for that. Well, that's that's one of the many points. He's getting a lot off his chest here, and he's he's obviously not too happy with um, with what's going on. But I, I, the, I'm not sure I entirely agree with him. His argument is that uh, the rectory in Mount Shannon is a listed building, and so what can you do with a listed building? But uh, let, me give you, let, me, let me give people, listeners, a few examples of many listed buildings which are now open and tourist attractions. Dublin Castle is a listed building, one of the most protected structures. It's also a national monument. Mm -hmm. It is, to all intents and purposes, a visitor centre. Um, the National Gallery of Ireland is a protected listed building. And that hasn't stopped them putting lifts in and doing all the other. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they, uh, and I think maybe Ger doesn't fully understand what it means. that a, li a listed building is protected both inside and out, but it doesn't mean that you can't modify it. That's not, that, I mean, you have to seek special permission, but it is possible. I think it's, it's an ideal site. Uh, wouldn't it be worse if, this, if it was miles away from, from, the, uh, from, uh, from Holy Island? And why I think it's also a good idea is that that was a vacant building for quite, quite a few years. It's been vacant ever, ever since I've arrived here anyway. And it's now being reused again. Um, and it's near where the boats will go to bring, to bring uh, the, the thing out. So I, I wouldn't agree with Jer there, I have to say, on that. Um, 
And he has a few, we'll let listeners um, have a read of this. He, 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 goes, he goes into a few other points. And, um, well, some, raise, some justified and some yeah, unjustified, yeah, he, I think. Yeah, he, he raises interesting points. He does, he does. Yeah. He, uh, I was interested to see that he's actually the caretaker for the island. He's the OPW's caretaker for the island. Um, we, all, we all thought that the council owned the island, and of course they own the land, but it's the OPW that uh, are in charge of the buildings because they are national, yeah. mo they are national monuments. monuments. Yeah. Um, there will have to be toilets. I understand. I've been out to Holy Island a few times. I, I think the OPW have actually put a roof over one of the buildings. And yes. Why over, couldn't they put the toilets in there? Over, over the, one of the churches. Uh, some sort of a building. Anyway. The OPW have, have mm. put a structure there yeah. for maintenance anyway. Yes. The, um, I suppose one of the things you know, we, we do hope and, and trust that Holy Island will become you know, a big success and will attract a lot of people. And I suppose it is, Jer makes the point, it's, it's a place of pilgrimage, which it is, uh, and, but it's also of great interest as a, as a tourist. Yeah, for, I, I d for me personally, as a historian, I'm not interested in going there for pilgrimage. I'm interested in finding out about the place from a historical point of view. I went to Santiago de Compostela, which is a big pilgrim site, but I didn't do the pilgrimage. I went there to discover the place as, uh, from a historical point of view. Of course, it's going to be a place of pilgrimage, like St. Kevin's in Glendalough or Clan Macnoise, but I think a lot of people will come because they want to discover it. Yeah. I think Ger has been you know, hugely responsible as well for, for the interest that's in Holy Island because Absolutely. he has written a number of books on Holy Island. He's, he's two books written on Holy Island, yeah. and, and that's as well as you know books about Mount Shannon, Scarlet yeah. from Grainy, and, and and of course he operates the ferry. No, he's the no. he's the only person, yeah. isn't he, and to bring people out? And he's done that, and nobody else has done it. Yeah. So he, he deserves a, credit he, for he that. He makes a good point in the article here uh, when he says. You know that uh, the the intention is to have a ferry capable of taking fifty people. Fifty. Fifty. Mm. Now that suggests. Mm, do you know how about his? He has he has a viable ferry system with accompanying you know textual yeah. uh, elaboration on the on the island. And as you said, he has been working on that oh, for oh. years. Well, nobody well, else was showing anything. Probably what will it. happen is uh, it'll go out to tender and Jer and everybody else will have an opportunity to put out for tender. The, the crowd management is an issue that they, they will have to do. Skellig Vickle yes. is limited in the number of people that can go out because of its topography, because it's very hard to land yes. people on yes. Skellig Vickle. Yeah. And he makes the point, and it's a very fair point, there's only about two or three foot of water out there when you're trying to land, and uh, they'll have to take that into consideration. Yeah. Sure will, of course. Okay, we've the only a few minutes left. Uh, I suppose the one of... No, I'd say Pat is wanting us to swim out there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of good news about, uh, from the health point of view, um, there's a piece in the, in the uh, Clare Champion uh, where the Nina Injury Unit, uh, on page nine, um, gets great praise from a mother of a child who was injured um, from Scarif. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's, it's good to see a positive story about um, 
Lena Hospital. But you, 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 you hear on a fairly frequent basis very positive uh, observations made about Nina, about Ennis. About Ennis as uh, well. Ennis, and we yes. mustn't forget that. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. And I suppose one of the big positives yeah. is there's no queuing involved yeah. and there's yeah. no trolleys involved. And yeah. And yeah. It's nice, I think, I, we, it, actually, there's no journalist attached to this piece, but whoever it is, I think it's good that the media give both the positive and the negative. Yeah. It, it could happen to anybody, a young child here, Andrea was at a birthday party where the hosts had laid on a bouncy castle and trampolines uh, I mean, I was warned before I became a parent that uh, don't ever get a trampoline because you'll be in the hospital very soon. Anyway, she fell off, of course, uh, on her wrist. Her mother recalled, Teresa recalled. Mm -hmm. I brought her home and she was crying. But young children be, uh, but young children be a little dramatic, and so it was difficult to tell how much pain she was in. I gave her Nurofen, but when she still seemed in a lot of pain in the morning, I decided to bring her to the injury unit. And the long and the short of it was, she had a very good reception there. In, yeah, in which the, is in great the to hear. Yeah. Okay, we're coming to ignore, the end. Can you ignore the county councillor who is uh, who attended his last council meeting uh, yes. last week? And he's going, going for the priesthood. And he's going for the priesthood. And one of his colleagues at the table made a very witty comment that he had all the actual prerequisites for a bishop. And that he'd be back as bishop. <laughs> anyway, we wish, okay. wish him well. We Did him he well. miss the vote on the property tax is my question. Uh, yes, no, but we, we won't hold it against him. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're, we've come to the end of the show. Uh, my thanks to everybody, to John S. Welcome, and Jim. to Pat and to David. Thanks, Jim. Thank uh, just there is a mission coming up in Killaloo, which is one of the things I have written down here. So a parish mission, if any of you have interest. Um, Pat, we're going to have a bit of music as we come to the end. And there's a festival in Killaloo. The Lua Festival is on in Killaloo this weekend. This well, weekend. It's very interesting in music and, and, and lectures Lovely. for the weekend. In the in the cathedral. In the cathedral. Now, Edelbachan um, and the Kilfenau are clearly then with both sides now. Johnny Mitchell's song. Lovely, but well, that's brilliant. Okay, so until uh, next weekend, goodbye and God bless. Ice cream castles in the air And feathered canyons everywhere